Welcome to the Health in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Evie Takis. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who loves to help people achieve their wellness goals they once thought were impossible to reach. I am the owner of Holistically Restored, and through my coaching practice, I have been able to guide my clients through their own health journeys and teach them to truly understand their body. With a focus on hormone, thyroid, and weight management, I strive to instill the knowledge, confidence, and encouragement everyone deserves. If you enjoy this content, I'd love for you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Please tell your friends, family, or anyone who is curious about bettering themselves in a holistic way. The more, the merrier. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and is not to be taken as medical advice. I am so happy you're here and ready to learn. Let's do it. All right. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better and hear more of your story and talk. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on this podcast. And I'd love if we could just start with an introduction as to who you are and kind of how you became who you are. And I'm sure the conversation will carry us from there. Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot. Um, I'm Amanda Valentine. Um, Currently I am a a personal trainer, a health coach. I actually just, uh, I'm about to start a brand new job um, as the director of membership and transformation for the YMCA. So (laughs) so that's added new to the list. Um, I used to be a broadcaster. I worked in radio for over 20 years. I've moved around. This is the seventh state that I've I've lived in. I've been in Cincinnati eight years. I'm originally from Southern Illinois. I don't know. They're like, is where do you want me to go? I know. <laughs> I do all the things. I have a podcast. I've been doing a podcast for four and a half years now. Um, that got started from my own health and, and weight loss journey of uh, being obese since I was as long as I can remember and um, yo-yo dieting for over a decade. And then over the past almost 11 years at this point, um, I started a New Year's resolution in 2012 to make the best decision possible and to stop dieting after I had done every diet and lost weight and gained it back, lost weight and gained it back. I did Weight Watchers twice, gained weight both times on Weight Watchers, nothing against them, but it's just like, it just never worked for me. So from from that to being like, I just need to take the best, better care of myself and make the best decision possible and stop being so mean to myself and live the life I want to live. And from that moment, I've I've lost over a hundred pounds. I've maintained, I've run half marathons, I've summited mountains, I've changed careers. It's there's a lot. Sorry, that was just a fire hose of all sorts of information. <laughs> but I love it. And I wish people could see like my jaw dropped with all that stuff because you're saying this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like really the amount of things that you have done and that you are doing and that you're going to continue doing. I mean, it's incredible. And I was first, I forget how I found you on Instagram, but I found you well over a year ago. And I just loved the authenticity that you have on Instagram of like, Hey, I'm meal prepping. And like, sometimes this sucks. And sometimes the fire alarm (laughs) goes off. And like, sometimes like I hate weighing these things out or eat, but like you do it and you show the reality of it, but you're also like very dedicated to getting better. And I, I was so drawn to that. And I was so interested in like your perspective on that, especially because I don't really know your full story of like losing over a hundred pounds, which I would love to get into, but just knowing that and like the fact that you've kept it off and you've continued to improve your health overall, I think is really cool. And I think important for people to hear because I had someone else on the podcast 
a while ago, Shelby, she has lost 120 pounds and like just hearing her story is really important too, of like the big mindset shift that has come from that. And I think a lot of people need to hear that and also be reminded that like it can take time. And sometimes you do have to kind of, um, like it's going to be this ebb and flow of like figuring things out. And you might think that Weight Watchers is a solution for you, but it might not be. And like, that's okay to hear. Cause I think we get in these perspectives of like, oh, this is supposed to work because it's advertised. It's always going to work. And the reality is, is it might not work for you, but there's something else that will. And it sounds like you haven't stopped trying to figure that out. Oh, definitely. And I think that it's going to be continuous forever of evolving and your tastes are going to change literally um, by what you want to eat and by also how you move your body. Like, I think that that's the secret is to be experimental and ebb and flow with all of the changes. And um I'll get to the meal prepping question here in a second. But I think for me, it was, you know, doing all of these diets. Well, I mean, I was overweight all growing up and through high school and was bullied and was very unhappy in my body and didn't really know what to do about it. And I, you know, I grew up in the 90s. So it's not like in, in the internet I did have was just a troll chat room. So it wasn't like to get health and fitness information. <laughs> so um, it was like there was, I just didn't know what to do. And my family's not healthy at all. And so um, that's when my very first like quote unquote diet I did was Atkins. And, but then it was like, I was 20 and then my downstairs neighbors like were like, you guys, we got a keg. And I'm like, okay, well screw this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start drinking. like, I didn't rather than just eat, you know, meat. So I would try all of these diets and I guess the first like quote unquote successful diet I did was LA weight loss, which doesn't exist anymore. It was very intense and hardcore. I was probably eating under a thousand calories a day, like very strict rules. Like you can have like five wheat thins and like four grapes. Like it was intense. And I was doing that as a thing with the radio station I was working at. So I felt like I don't want to go on the air and lie and say that I'm doing this thing and I'm not. So I was very, very strict with it. But by being very strict with it, it's like there was a time where I, there was a bunch of chicken wings at work left over and I brought them home for my boyfriend and I just binged like hard. I ate like 30 wings and then I called him crying. I'm like, I'm going to make myself throw up. I hate myself. And he's like, oh my God, you psycho. And it was like, because it was just so strict that it just went right into this binge. So I, I lived through that for a while and where I was before I started the journey I'm on now was I didn't recognize it in the time. And I have now through all of the work I've done and especially through my own podcast of interviewing people has enlightened me to so many of the issues that I have with myself is I was binge eating to the point of pain every night. So I'm a clinical binge eater. But at the time, I just thought I have no willpower. Um, you know, I would just I would map out like multiple drive throughs on the way home because I knew I'd be home alone when I got home. So I would just eat to the point of pain. It wasn't, it was just the numbing out part. It wasn't even so much that the food was so great. It was just to check out because I was so stressed. I hated my life. I hated my body. Let's just eat to, to tap out. And I was doing that every night. And then it was like, well, diet will start Monday. I've lost weight before. I know how to do it. And then once Monday came, I'm like, I'm not gonna eat broccoli now. I'm going to eat Wendy's. And so then I would secret eat too. So my husband wasn't, didn't know I was doing all of this. So I would take all the trash and I had a hiding spot underneath the kitchen sink. And so I would do that until I felt not lazy enough to go get rid of all the trash. Or I would order two large pizzas for myself and pretend like other people were in the apartment 
uh, when the pizza guy came, like he cared, like all of this. And I'm like, this is not my life. At the time I was living in Denver, which is like the most beautiful place. And I'm like, I don't even go outside. I don't go for walks. I'm binge drinking with my friends. I'm binge eating by myself. Who is this person? I don't want to be this. And I was, I was 29. And so I'm like, I'm going to be 30. Is this, is this what I want for my life? I'm like, it's absolutely not. So I made the new year's resolution to make the best decision possible every moment. And the example I always use is like, well, if I want to go to a ball game, like, yeah, get a hot dog and a beer. That's living my best life. That's the best decision that make because if I go there, I'm not going to like crunch on celery and drink water like that's a bummer. And so I'm like, I want to live, but I also don't want to terrorize myself for making these decisions. That's a decision in that moment. And then the next moment after that, make the best decision in that moment. Um, I had joined several gyms in the past, hated going, would never go. And I show up like, I don't know, I guess I'm going to get on the elliptical, watch the clock for 20 minutes and bounce to be able to say that I went. So I never went into gym. I actually in high school took extra band classes. So I never had to take gym my entire high school experience. So I'm like, but I like to walk and I like to listen to podcasts. So I started going for walks. And so then it turned into like one mile, which was I super proud of turned into three miles, then turned into five miles. And then I started a couch to 5k podcast. And then I started running. And uh, by the time I turned 30, I ran a mile for the first time in my entire life. And I stopped and just like cried in the middle of the street. And I'm like, I ran a mile without stopping, which I couldn't even do in like sixth grade. So it was one of those things where I think it was super empowering of I'm doing this myself. It's not I'm following some telling me what to eat, what not to eat, where, you know, how to work out, how not to work out. I was just figuring out of like, hey, I know I need to eat vegetables. I'm not eating any. How can I get more vegetables in my face? Stir fry. I like stir fry. And just making those steps where I wasn't counting or measuring or anything at the beginning. It was just like, just drink more water. Stop drinking so much Red Bull and eat some vegetables every once in a while. And for me, I knew I could not regulate fast food or um, soda. Like those were the things where I'm like, I can't go to McDonald's and make a quote unquote healthy choice. So I made the rule for myself of like, this is not not never thing. It's just not right now. So but since then, I have not had fast food in 10 and a half years because once I got to that point of like, I even like, I can't have a good relationship with it. Once I am at a point, which I'm at now, and I've been here for a long time, like, oh, I can go and have a good relationship with it. But it's like, but I don't need that. Like, I don't, what's the point? Like, yes, it's convenient, but I can, there's plenty of other convenient foods that fit into that. So I think it's just been so much of that, of figuring out what works, running, walking, figuring out the food that's changed. I started meal prepping about a year and a half into that. And then like I tried CrossFit. I hated it. Um, I then I tried weightlifting and I loved it. Um, I've tried bar classes. I hate them. Um, I, I, I hate most yoga, but I love yin yoga. So it's like these things where I'm like, I'll give everything a try. And it and even things that I'm like, OK, I hated this. Let me try it again and see if my, my attitudes changed. And same thing with like vegetables and stuff like that or different foods of like, I can't just say that I hate Brussels sprouts. Have I tried five different ways of cooking them before I make a decision on I just hate this thing. So it's I think it's just constantly ebb and flowing with that. And then where it got to the point where I started sharing that stuff on Instagram with like the meal prepping is because that helped me so much just from the fact of if I just open the fridge door and stare, 
I will not make the best decision for me. I also am a person because of binge eating. I don't really, I need a stop sign. I'm like, if I make a whole thing of stir fry, I'll eat the entire thing. But if I portion it out, I'll stop and realize I'm full and be like, oh, I don't need to eat the whole skillet full. Like this is actually, you know, three different portions. I just need my own stop sign. And I know that about myself. So sharing that stuff on Instagram, I feel like when you talk about like health and diet and food and all of those things, like it seems like prison and it seems like no fun or it seems like too much work and it's too hard. And I just wanted to show a process of like, I'm not doing this to be a quote unquote influencer. I'm not just making food to be pretty and to throw stuff up there to get engagement. I know it's not the most exciting every time, but like this is what I actually, this is what the process actually looks like. And we can have some fun while we're doing it. And so I feel like that that's why I started doing all of that on there to kind of be like, it doesn't have to be terrible. It doesn't take so long. It doesn't have to be extravagant. And this is what it really looks like for somebody who's learned this journey to actually, you know, how I, how I actually function and live. And I'm not just trying to do it for an online audience. I mean, that was a really long rant. (laughs) I, I, I love it. I'm just, there's so much to unpack there. And I'm just like captivated by this because one, the binge eating, I don't know if you know this, but I shared this on my social media and I have an episode on it on this podcast of my experience with binge eating. So I, the way that you described it as like numbing is perfect because the way that I say it is I didn't have a binge eating disorder. I had a career disorder. So for me, it was like, I felt so empty and so like, like just so, um, confused and unsure and scared about the future. And because I was like transitioning jobs and like, I just had all these things of like growing up and finally moving out and getting married and all that. And like finding food and grounding myself Mm. was like the way that I felt good because I felt so airy and so in my head all the time that if I felt heavy physically with the food that I was eating, I felt like it stopped. And so like, that's how I describe it for me. But the numbing is like another really great way of putting it. And I appreciate you sharing that. And one thing that in with the meal prep, I like that you phrase it as having a stop sign of like, this is my container of food. This is enough food because you know that it's not about restricting. It's about making sure that you're nourishing yourself and you're eating enough. Um, But because a lot of times people are so against tracking or meal prepping, and I understand that they might not be ready for it based on whatever their journey is and wherever they are mentally with food and meal prep and all that. I get that everyone has a different perspective on it at different times. But I like that you said it was a stop sign because what that means to me is like there is structure for you. And like some people look at the meal prep and tracking and macros and all that as like confinement and like prison of like, oh, well, I'm so restricted then in what I can eat. But to me, I view that stuff as this actually gives me boundaries and this gives me structure so that I don't go back into like binging and feeding the emotional chaos with food. And so I like that you view that as a stop sign. I think that's helpful for people to hear as no, like this just helps me have a visual. And then you also have learned that this is enough for my body. Like you don't need to have the whole skillet of stir fry, but you've learned that this is right. This is perfect for you. Yeah. I think that's important. Well, I think with that too, like with having those portions, it's understanding what keeps you full too. Like I don't prep anything where like after I eat it, I'm like, I'm still hungry. Like when I was dieting, I would eat a lean cuisine and be like, I'm still hungry. I could eat like three of these things. And it's like, how, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, I think that it's just, I think that I understand that tracking and stuff like that um, 
is not a forever thing for most people. And that's great of doing intuitive eating. But I think that just doing a little bit and having a guide, it makes you just understand yourself and have self-awareness of when do you feel full? What foods make you feel full? What foods make you give you more energy? And what foods make you feel more sluggish? And do you prefer to eat more times a day or do you eat less times a day? I think it's just nothing but data to help you understand yourself more. And I don't think the it's meant to be a prison. And I know where it totally can be, but I think that if you are doing it with the intention of learning yourself and, and yeah, figuring out how to fuel yourself and feel good out of it, it's not so much prison. And yeah, like you said perfectly, it is, it sets up good boundaries for me. I think that as long as I've been doing this now, I can, I've got a good gauge and an eyeball of things. And but like, I can have a better intuitive, like I know when to stop, but that kind of goes away if I'm having a really hard emotional day. Like for me, it's the emotions, then it, the, the food is the grounding. It's the numbing. It's like, I, I'm so overwhelmed. Like I need this and I won't have that stop sign. So I've learned that about myself through this whole process of, of, you know, just understanding myself. And I think that's the hardest part of everything is like, you have to look in the mirror and see some of the really ugly parts of why you're doing what you're doing and what's triggering you. And it's, that's not a fun process. It's definitely easier for somebody to tell you to just to eat like an egg white omelet. <laughs> it is, it is easier. And that's like, when I became a coach, I like, because I've, I had hired coaches for years, right. Of like, Oh, I'm going to follow this meal plan that they wrote me and this and that. And I, it got to the point where the meal plan said ground beef, but all I had was ground Turkey. And I would like go into a panic attack because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to follow meal plan a hundred percent. And so when I like transitioned into doing this and coaching, I just knew I never wanted to be that coach that wouldn't do something like that for somebody. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be flexible enough, but also that structure, because like you said, you have to learn about yourself. You're, I think tracking and counting macros and meal prepping and all of that is the gateway to getting to intuitive eating. Yeah. And definitely. I stand by that because yeah. yeah, I think it's great for all of us to intuitively eat. I think that sounds wonderful and, you know, beautiful. And I think that would be ideal, but we have lost the ability to eat intuitively because when your hormones are running the show, when you have a you know gut dysbiosis going on, like you're going to be craving sugar. You're not going to crave vegetables. And so it doesn't make sense for me to say like, you should be eating intuitively when you have all these other factors and then bring in the emotional component of what food can do for us. So to me, it is like we have to have spend some time tracking and monitoring and like getting data on how do I feel with this? And is this the proper amount of protein or do I actually need a little bit more or a little bit less than that? And then once you feel that and you can start doing it, it becomes muscle memory, then you've worked on intuitive eating and then you, and then you can put the scale away or whatever. Right. Or I just, I think people want to jump to intuitive eating, but it's like, you have to kind of earn your way there just because we are so far from that with what, with what our society does and the way that we perceive food, the way we talk about food, the way we engage with food, the way we engage with our own emotions, I think prevents us from being able to intuitively eat because we just, a lot of us will turn to food for comfort, which I think it is comforting, but mm -hmm. I think that we've fallen so far from what it actually means to eat intuitively. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like, you know, when you see little kids or babies and they're eating and then they, you know, they start pushing the food away. They don't want anymore because they know that they're full or they know that they don't need anymore. It's like, we know how to do it at our core, but we just fall away from it because of all the other 
stuff that life throws at us, right? Yeah. Well, I think a huge roadblock, um, a fantastic read on this is Michael Moss's uh, Fat, Sugar, Sugar, Salt, is um, or Salt, Sugar, Fat, I always forget which order they're in, is, I mean, it's food is designed to make you binge. Like how much of, you know, the American diet, like you're, again, like you're looking at almost the entire grocery store minus produce and just meat. And even those departments are filled with things that with ingredients you can't read. And to understand that this is marketing and as a matter of it says lean or low flat or gluten free or any of these buzzwords like these foods, I mean, are designed with money in mind to keep you eating them and to keep you buying them. And that's just the business plan. And so like you have that on top of hormonal issues and your emotions and everything else, then you have almost all of the food that we have is designed to make you go overboard and have a bad relationship with food. And I don't know that at the beginning of my own journey, reading that book was such an eye opener to me of like, wow, like I, how much I had personally fall victim to buying the Weight Watchers cupcakes and buying the lean cuisines or going with like the fat-free yogurts that have more sugar in them and everything else of like how everything is just designed for bliss points and and how it's just a mental game and it's like god if is it this isn't hard enough already but i think armed with that knowledge makes things easier to navigate of like you know it doesn't have i think a lot of times we make it harder than it has to be because it's just like if you understand the ingredients of your eating you're pretty good like if you could Broccoli is broccoli. Like broccoli isn't there. What else is there? You know what I mean? Put butter on it. Okay. Now we have broccoli and butter of like, it, it can be so simplistic like that, but it's just definitely not as sexy as Cheez-Its. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I love that you said that of like, it is almost like you, you had this moment of like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. Like I'm not going to fall victim to this marketing. And I actually, I'd like it if you could take it back, like was there a moment that you were like, I'm just done living this way? Cause you, you mentioned some of them, but like, what really was that catalyst for you of making change? Cause I think people struggle with that. I know that I struggled with it of, I didn't get low enough or I didn't feel shitty enough or like, I don't know. There's like that moment that a lot of people can point to of like, this happened or I did, it was a culmination of moments that I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live like this. Like what really was driving that change in you, especially if you didn't come from a family that you said was healthy and you were around people who were like drinking or, you know, eating out, like what was that for you that really clicked and you're like, okay, I need to make some changes here. Yeah. I think it was a culmination of things. And I think if you asked me at the time, there was no just like aha moment, um, you know, obviously, in hindsight, I can kind of see all of those things. I think it was kind of a perfect storm of, I mean, I had just been super unhappy for a long time with my own body image and, and everything. And it was, um, I had just got out of the worst job I had ever been a part of. Um, that was really what drove a lot of binge eating was it was really emotional. It was really hard. I Every day when I got home from work, I wanted to binge. And then I left that job. And it was still just like toxic ties to it. It was a, a period of my life of like, do I need to switch industries now? What am I doing? I was definitely having that like early midlife crisis. I'd say I'm in my midlife crisis now. <laughs> so I think an earlier midlife crisis that I was just kind of like, you know, what? and again, I think a lot of it was the job sucked. 
I was so tired of yo-yo dieting. I was so tired. I was so tired of like at the time I wore a lot of scarves. So it's like I would just hide. I, I hated hiding. Um, and so I had a very public job. So I worked in media and it's like, and you know, social media was becoming more and more of a thing. And I'm like, I don't want my picture taken. I want to hide. I, like everything was hiding myself. And I feel it felt like I just couldn't fully be me. And I, I hated that. And I hated that. I, I'm like, I, I don't know how long I'm going to live in Colorado. If I live in Colorado, I'm going to spend my whole time just binging with drinking and eating like that, that sucks. And I'm glad I did what I did. I lived in Colorado one more year and then I ended up moving to Oregon, which is awesome because then I just hiked my ass off. But um, it was it was that and it was just kind of tired of of everything of like, I just don't like living this way. I don't have any energy. I'm just like, I feel like I'm a bummer to be around. And it just happened to be New Year's and I was on a morning show and it just happened to be like, hey, I'm going to make some changes. There was like a news article, like some Yahoo news article or something of like, hey, it's best to make smaller New Year's resolutions. So like make a 90 day New Year's resolution. It was like 60 or 90 days. It might have been 60 and do that instead of just doing this whole year. So me and the two other people on my morning show are like, okay, we're going to come up with three goals and we're going to give ourselves like the 90 days to do it. And mine was like, okay, well, I'm just going to aim low and realistic. I want to, I would like to lose 15 pounds in the 90 days. I also put, I don't remember what the third thing was. The second one thing was to start flossing every day. And I have stuck to that too. So 10 and a half years later, nice flossing every day. And I was just like, I just want to try to lose 15 pounds without dieting. Um, so that's like, once I did that way, by the time we hit those 90 days, I had lost 20 pounds. And I was just like, it was just so empowering to be like, I did this, like, this was me. I'm figuring this out and I'm doing stuff that I like. I'm eating foods that I like, and I'm walking and I'm moving in ways that I like. And I don't feel, I don't know. I just didn't feel like down about it. Like I'm not doing good enough or I'm not going to the gym enough or I'm not eating good enough. Like it just like, I don't know, there's something that just clicked in my brain different, but I think it was, yeah, just so much of a culmination of just like, just feeling gross, feeling unhappy. And it, it's so funny because of much of I've done since then, especially when we moved to Oregon, like I hiked every single day and, um, then I ran my first half marathon. And I, I ran a ton where my husband tells a story. Like when we first started dating, we went to Cornell and you walk up the hill and look over the beautiful lake. And he's like, you wouldn't even walk up the stairs. You wouldn't even walk up a set of stairs to see a view and yeah. to be like, now I'm like, we're going to go on a 15 mile hike this weekend. Yes. <laughs> you know, like How much that just like changed my brain and how much it just felt like this is who I am. Like this feel, it just felt like it took like this person inside of me that was being like just locked up because of body image issues and everything like that. And also it was that I'd say at that time too, it was really a ton talking about self-awareness, taking a really hard look of like why I did those things. That was the first time I really started unpacking some really ugly stuff of like, when I'd go into those binges, cause I didn't just stop binging, I would just start binging vegetables. So like, um, and I've had this discussion on my own podcast multiple, multiple times, not that this is the best decision, but this was a thing that helped me is I would just get those massive bags of baby carrots. Cause I'm like, I'd still go into the emotional place where I need to binge, but I'm like, I'm not going to binge cheeseburgers. I can, I feel better about binging carrots. Um, but in the middle of that, and at the end, instead of just throwing, tossing those feelings away of really kind of sitting in it and being like, 
okay, what got me here? Like what triggered this off? Where is this coming from? And really kind of like digging deep into past traumas and my own coping mechanisms and kind of looking into the, some of those uglier things is like what really kind of started untying those knots. Cause it's like, I'm not going to just stop binge eating unless I understand why I'm binge eating. And that's why like, you know, I watch shows like my 600 pound life and every single episode I've ever seen now that I've seen a ton of them is always once they get therapy is when things start clicking. And it's just like, you're not, if you're having like binge eating disorder, any sort of disordered eating, it's not just because you have no willpower or you just love food so much. Like there's something psychological driving that. And you have to understand what that is so you can work on it and not just be like, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Like it does. That's not how it works. And I think that's where so many people get stuck is you shame yourself on it or you restrict yourself so much until you can't till the dam breaks and you can't do it anymore. And then you're like, well, this is just who I am. And then you settle into that for a while until you go into the phase again where you start restricting again. It's I think it's just understanding of like, okay, why is this happening? Like what happened to me and why is this my relationship with food? And it's, it's not a fun process. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And I, you just articulate it so well. And I hope that whoever is listening and if they're in the thick of it, I hope that they, this gives them a new perspective because, you know, there is only so much that we as coaches can do, right? We're not taking the place of therapist. We can't do that. And so there's a lot of times when I'm talking to someone and I'm like, man, like, I wonder like, what could be, what could be improved if we add in this service for you? Because, you know, you and I can see it in that perspective of this is more mental health. There's something going on. Like there's some sort of like, um, thing that needs to be unpacked. And I think people just look at it as there is no willpower, but that's not true. Cause I remind people like, in what other area of life do you have willpower or do you have discipline? And they'll rattle off, oh, I'm disciplined with my kids or I'm disciplined with work or I'm disciplined with, you know, whatever. And like my spouse and like our housework. And I'm like, so you possess that, like you can be disciplined. So it's not that you lack willpower or that you aren't disciplined. It's that there's something about food that triggers something else in you. So I think you articulated that really well. And I, I'm curious about, you mentioned like did you go through this like weight loss and getting healthier and changing your habits in your life, like while you were married and how has that been different in terms of like your relationship? Just because, you know, your husband might've married you as this version and then now you're this version. And I, I believe that we all should always be changing and turning into these new versions of ourselves and improving. But how has that been? Cause I know that can be a sticking point for a lot of people too, of maybe like their partner is not that way. Or maybe like there's some, there's like, or maybe you do it together with your partner. Like, what was that like for you? Um, and how's that been, how's that impacted your journey? Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, still, I mean, we've been together 18 years, so he's, he met me at one of my highest weights. Um, and then was there through like that first diet of losing 60 pounds on LA weight loss and then watch me gain it back and yo-yo like, so he's kind of seen every version of it. Um, so what's, it's interesting is that I, I wish he was interested in this stuff. Um, it bums me out that he's not, but it's like, I'm not going to force something on somebody. He's one of those people that's like, can't really gain weight. Like he just like, can just eat 
crap all day and that's is what he does even though if you asked him he'd be like i don't eat that bad and i'm like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um that's one of those things if i've gone through these changes and i'm such a meal prepper and i've offered him like do you want me to cook these foods for you and it's no like he eats a solid diet of ruffles pizza rolls ice cream beer um not much water the only time i've gotten him to drink water by getting him a soda stream Nice. So he will drink some water now, a lot of coffee. He eats like once a day. Yeah. Um, he doesn't exercise. So it's like talk about two drastic different things. And so it's like what we when we dated for a long time before I went on uh, on this journey and when we got married, even though I was yo-yo dieting and still like a lot of us was like, let's go to bars. Let's go out to eat. Let's lay around all day and get takeout and how much that's completely changed. And so now it's there is, I guess, a little bit more of a barter system of like, oh, I want to go for a hike. And if you want to go with me, I'll buy you pizza and beer at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's just kind of like there's certain things that will we'll kind of meet on the in the middle line. Um, but do you like we uh, have two separate fridges like his stuff is still like like that's where it's I feel like with so many people I've talked to in the past decade decade that are like I can't do this there's just junk food in my house I'm like there's been junk food in my house the whole time I'm not saying like if I can do it you should be able to do it I mean it's not easy but you ha definitely have to go into a different mindset of like those triggering foods of like if they're sitting there in front of you which is why it's more helpful for me to meal prep and I have like these this is my food I am prepared with this. I don't need to just go binge his bag of ruffles or eat the pizza rolls. And also for me to also be, again, very self-aware of like, if I ate these things, it makes me feel like trash. Like I feel like physically gross. I just feel very lethargic. And I'm like, so those are choices to be made with those things that are in my house. So I'd say that it's just challenging. Um, so, it, I mean, it's it's obviously doable, but... I wouldn't say it's ideal. <laughs> I think that's so important that you share that though, that you still have those things that are in your house because I think people do think, Oh, it has like, it's got to all be out or else there's no point in even trying. And it's like, no, you're living that though. Like you're living proof that those maybe temptations, you know, to some people can still be there, but you're not like, you're still able to like stay in your lane and keep on what feels good for you because you, you have that awareness. Like you said that, okay, I know I feel better when I don't eat that stuff. So even though it's around, I don't need to actually be influenced or tempted by it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, those temptations, especially now, you can have anything delivered to your house like right away. So it's not even if it's so much in your, in your house, if you got a craving for something, you can door dash it. You can have Kroger bring it right to your house. Like it is like, it might as well just be in your house at this point. So I think it's just really having for me, of having the thought process before I make those decisions, again, making the best decision possible in every moment. How will I feel physically and mentally on the other side of this decision? Am I going to feel like crap? Am I going to be mad at myself? Am I going to physically feel like yuck? Am I going to have a stomach ache? Am I going to get really bloated? Um, do I want, is this worth that choice or not? And I mean, those are, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think that everybody, not everybody, a lot of people have the misconception of, oh, once you've got this healthy lifestyle down, like these decisions are just like they just they're just flow through you and they're you're not even questioning it again. I'm like, no, this is till you die. Like, yeah, I still I could still motor a whole cheesecake, but I have to make that decision. And even just this past weekend, uh, I was in a gas station and they had like the Reese's cups that were like all peanut butter. And I'm oh, like, yeah, I haven't had those. 
I got to try those. So I'm like, I'm buying them. I'm going to eat them. And it's like, I'm not going to feel bad about it. Like I, I'm allowed to eat those things. I think that when you put all the, these restrictions of what's good and bad, it's, you know, there are like, what is this meaning to me personally in this moment? And I like the only thing option they had was king size. And I'm like, I ate all four of them and I don't feel bad about it. These, those were delicious. <laughs> yeah. And it's a conscious choice that you made. Yeah. I think that thing is like, like if you're going to do it, own it and then move on and get over it. Right. Yeah. Like if you sit there and beat yourself up, then that you're just festering even more to come up. Yeah. And I think it's like at those levels are like, I feel like I have to hide this or I'm being judged. Like, that is so much on you. That is you and your brain telling you that. And then I think that's the moment you pause and be like, why do I feel this way? What is my relationship with this specific thing that I feel like I have to hide it and going into that rabbit hole. And I think that helps you make the decision because I, I mean, I would be at the point before where I, that is something I would hide. I'm like, Oh, I don't want somebody eating that because in my brain, I'm like, they'd be like, of course, bad Amanda's eating that. Of course she could like, I when as a kid, I wouldn't even go to like the ice cream shop in town because I was in my head. Everyone was like, like of course she's here eating ice cream. Did anybody really think that? I don't know. Probably not. They're probably just enjoying their own ice cream, but it's like, this is all stories I'm telling myself and this isn't true. And am I really just not going to enjoy my life and try these Reese's cups that I want to try or eat this ice cream because I'm worried that somebody is going to judge me? I'm like, screw them. Like, I'm going to do this for myself. And I think it's unpacking those feelings is gets you to that place where you have more. Again, like, I feel like that's more what food freedom is of I, I'm feeling good about this and I don't feel judged or bad or, oh my God, I'm going to gain so much weight from this one choice. And, and if you did, why is that so bad? Like, why do you feel so awful about gaining weight? Like, why is that the most awful thing? And really kind of unpacking, like, is it because of aesthetics? Is it because of like diabetes? Like, what is it that has you so freaked about gaining five pounds? And really thinking through those things. And I think that once you understand that about yourself, that helps you make those decisions around your food and movement. But it's a process and it's definitely not a 60 day shred. Right? <laughs> no, it's not. And I love that you like you keep repeating like the, the why and questioning and that curiosity, I think, is so important to, to keep when you're in something like this of like continuously asking yourself, why do I feel this way? Or why? Why do I believe this about myself? Or why do I feel this way? How else would I rather feel? OK, what do I need to do to feel that way? And that curiosity that you've had in yourself, I think, is kind of the heartbeat at all of this. And I'm I'm thinking like a question I have is from the time you really started, maybe it was when you were on the radio show and you made that, you know, resolution of losing the, you know, the 15 pounds in the 90 days um, to now, like how long do you think it's taken you to actually get this sort of mindset and have this food freedom? Oh man. Cause I think that people, I think people maybe do think it's a 60 day shred thing. And I'm like, no, like this can take years. So how long, at what point did you, did you feel like, okay, I, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been working for. That's such a hard question to answer because there's been so many different stages of it. I'd say just to even just lose the 100 pounds took about two and a half years. So that was also slow. Um, and then I went into other levels of over-exercising and definitely being very, very meticulous about every single minute thing that went into my body. And I was in that stage for a while, which is its own disorder. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it went from 
binging and going from that to, oh my God, I'm going to go to a barbecue this afternoon. I need to work out for two hours. Yeah. So it's like, I've been through all of these different phases and levels and also being at the the smallest size I've ever been to, to gaining more weight and then understanding of like, well, what size do I actually feel good at? And also trying to break up with the scale and like, where do I actually just feel good? Where do I feel strong? And going through that whole mental thing of like, it's so hard to let go of that kind of uh, diet culture sort of thing of like, you constantly need to be smaller. I need to be hotter or I need to be skinnier. I need to look this certain way. And I think that kind of going into, that's why it helps me going into how do my, how do I want to feel? How do, where do I feel good? Like, where do I feel strong and sexy and beautiful for me and not what somebody else's idea of what beauty is. And I'd say just to even get to all of that level, I'd say definitely more so in the past several years. So, I mean, we're talking about upwards of a decade (laughs) to really kind of get into those spaces. I'd say that, I mean, I never started therapy. I should have probably been therapy since I was a kid, Um, but I never started therapy until 2020. Um, And that was from the choice for me to leave my my radio job. I tried going therapy there, but it was hard because I could only go before I'd go on the air and I'd get super triggered. And then that's hard to be like an entertainer. And after you go, you know, you just cry your eyes out and you're dealing with a bunch of crap. So I started therapy in 2020 and really wanted to sift through things even more. And even with that, I think really therapeutic for me is saying stuff out loud and hearing yourself say certain things about yourself is like, wow, like these things are just spinning in my head, but it's, it definitely means something different when you're saying it out loud to another human. Um, So I'd say that uh, definitely a lot more of the, the mental part or to say where I am now, I'd say definitely probably in the past three years, um, has got me way more to that level and trying to let go more of that, that I don't know. It's so hard. It's kind of like ingrained of you of like, keep losing more weight. It's never good enough. Like you're never, like you're never small enough. It's never happy enough. And I think that you kind of have to live on all those ends of the spectrum to feel it where it's like, I was at the smallest I ever was super, I was working out seven days a week and it was like too much seven days a week, very restrict with my food. And even then I'm like, I would look in a mirror and still see flaws and think that I was fat. And even then I'm like, I know like this is not right, but I think it's just like, I had to get to that space to be like, what are you looking for? Like, what are you really searching for? Like you're searching for something that doesn't exist. Like you thought, I think so many people specifically in a weight loss journey think that you're going to lose weight and life is magically going to be beautiful and you're going to feel like a sex pot all the time and you're going to have all the confidence in the world and you're going to girl boss this shit. And it's like, no, you're still going to have a lot of that same crap in your head. You're just going to be in a smaller body doing it and you're still going to judge that body just as harshly as you judged your body before. So that's why it's like so much of like you got to work on where your head's at because just losing weight is not going to solve the problem. It's going to, if anything, it can open up Pandora's box to even more problems because if you get to this quote unquote size or number that you think is ideal and you still don't feel good, well, then what? Then that's another mental breakdown. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And you're, then you're almost like, well, what was this all for? And then you might want to revert back to old habits. And, but yeah, you just, you said it perfectly of you're still going to have your shit to handle and to deal with. And the weight wasn't really ever the 
the issue, like the core issue at least. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a hard realization for, it was a hard realization for me, um, at least, but in, so you've shared a lot about your past and all of that. And I love to hear what you're currently doing and how, you know, you've talked about now your health coaching and your personal trainer. So all of that has led to this too, but what do you do now to take care of yourself and where do you find yourself now with, you know, health and your routines and what makes you feel really good in your own body? Well, it's, it's crazy. Cause I talk about another like ebb and flow. Um, I'll, I quit personal training in April. So a few months ago, and, um, there was multiple reasons behind that. That was something that was never like a career trajectory. That's something that's like, I want to learn more from mm-hmm. about my own body. I want to learn how to help other people. Um, but I was becoming very unhealthy, which I didn't realize was a thing for personal trainers is I guess there's like just an inside joke of like, Oh, how long have you, the longer you're a personal trainer, the more weight that you're gaining of how, because you put everybody else first before you. And so I'm like, wow, yeah, I was so like, you know, and and I think also for me too, internalizing so much of going through my own journey, I'm just so empathetic and feeling like if everybody's not getting the results that they want, it must be my fault somehow. I'm not saying it the right way. I'm not doing this the right way. And oh my God, let me, how can I, can I get another certification? Can I study something else? Like, how can I do this when you just, you can't do it for someone else. Um, and so I, it just gave me a weird relationship with exercise, which exercise was never my, my food has always been my main focal point. Um, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't join a gym until I moved to Cincinnati, which I didn't join a gym till 2016. So I had already lost a hundred pounds and been down for years before I even like went to a gym. Wow. So it was, that's kind of was the last piece of my puzzle. So like that was its own like mind trip. So I found myself just way super stressed. The hours were just bonkers. And then I'm putting everybody else first. I didn't feel like I had the energy or even the mindset to exercise. I got so in my head about exercising in my own gym because I'm like, everybody else is watching me. If my form's wrong, they'll be like, how can she have a job here? She can't even do this right. And it was just bad. And so um, I mean, I still stayed really good with my my meal prep and everything like that. But it was just like I could feel my health. Like I've just, I mean, stress will totally just wreck anybody anyway. Um, good for you for recognizing that too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think that again, I think it's just the practice of being so self-aware It's like, this isn't working. Like I want to help other people, but I can't help other people if I'm not helping me. Yeah. If I'm falling apart and I'm not healthy, I don't want to be preaching stuff that I'm not living. Right. Um, so since then I kind of made it my, my goal to be like, I need to put me as my full-time job. I need to get back to doing the things that I love to do. I want to exercise for me. Um, which is hard because like I share so much stuff on Instagram and I've really backed off that a ton because I'm like, I don't, I need to do this for me. I'm not going to do this for like content. Um, and I feel like that kind of gets into a lot of people's way too. And so it's like, I want to eat for me. I want to move for me. Um, I started my own little like, um, uh, challenge for myself of things that I'm like, these are really important to me. Like, cause I really wanted to meditate every day and I feel better when I do that, but I would not be consistent at all with that. So I'm like, I want to make sure I'm consistently meditating every day. That helps a ton. I want to make sure I get outside no matter how disgusting it is and go for a walk every day, because that makes me feel so much better and really start putting these things into line that help me get back to me. And, and on top of that, um, a really great story 
because I have a health coach and her name is Sarah and she's amazing. So when I first started my podcast in 2018, I had on a, a trainer and a coach from Cincinnati. She was a listener from Colorado, no relation to when I lived in Colorado. Who Sarah was? Yeah. Okay. And so she had gotten um, gastric sleeve and had like plateaued and was like, I don't want to be one of these people that gains all my weight back. She heard this coach I had as a guest on my podcast and she contacted him and hired him. I didn't know all this was going on. Months later, he came back on to be a guest on my podcast. He's like, you know, some girl from Colorado hired me from your podcast. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I got her eating more and she's losing the weight. And she's hitting her goals now because she was just eating so little. I had to walk her through how to eat more. And so I contacted her and we started a friendship. Uh, I went to Colorado um, on vacation in 2019. She invited me to her house and cooked me dinner and I recorded a podcast with her. And since then, in 2020, she quit her corporate job to become a full-time health coach because it changed her life so much. And in 2020, I mean, 2020 was a year for all of us. I'm going through this whole identity crisis of leaving my job and like everything that I had planned of starting a business fell through because of COVID. And I'm like, like, I'm feeling nuts. I'm not in a good place. And I'm like, can I hire you as my coach? And she's like, yes, you can. And so she's been my coach ever since, which is awesome because it's just kind of like how that chain reaction of things happen. So I personally just left to myself, like, I will not like count macros. Like I understand the importance of them, but I'm like, this is good enough. And so depending on what phase I'm in, like, you know, so I do check-ins with her every week and be like, here's my goals right now, or here's where my stress levels are at. I just, I need to do my, you know, like we have a discussion every week about like, I know where I'm at. I know what I'm feeling. I know what I want, or here's goals. And it's just really good to have another set of eyes and opinion and to also be very brutally honest of like, okay, well, we can step this up now. Like, I know you're stressed, but like, get some sleep and let's go. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so, so she's been really great. So I think that um, having a coach is just amazing. And I think that so many coaches don't want to say they have coaches because it almost is like, and I went through this thing too of like, well, how can I say like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this on my own. Why would somebody hire me? Because I can't even figure it out. It's like, oh my God, no, like everybody has a different opinion. We can all help each other out and you're just better. Like, I think it's just shows you how important coaching is, is it's just so good to have a support system. Somebody ask questions to somebody to care about what's going on with you, somebody to understand your body. So, um, she's been great. So we've been working together on that level, um, since the end of 2020. So that on top of my own thing and figuring out where, you know, going through my ebbs and flows of my own exercise and rebuilding my relationship with that is, is where I've been now. I'd say where I'm at personally, um, I'd say I'm, I'm probably about 10 pounds heavier than I would like to be from like ideal where I feel like just really strong and really good. And I like, I understand it's like, that was a lot of stress choices and stress definitely just adds weight onto me. Same um, for me. It's yeah. like one of the first things I notice. I'm like, cause I'm like, nothing else has changed. I'm just more stressed. Yeah. And I'm like, so where did this come from? And right? I'm like, it's gotta be, yeah, it's literally that inflammation mm -hmm. and it's crazy. But it, again, I think that takes a lot of self-awareness because instead of me slashing calories, I'm like, all right, Evie, like calm down. Like I think it's yeah. the stress here. Like don't change anything about your food. So 
Yeah, yeah. it's just definitely the meditating comes yeah. with that. And I know for me too, I have Hashimoto's. So, and I do a really shit job of taking care of that. So I'm at least fully aware that I will try to stay gluten-free as much as possible. But if like there is like it's burger week this week when we're recording. So I'm like, I'm just going to eat a burger with a bun. Come on. <laughs> so I'll, or I'll eat these Reese's from a gas station. Right. So I also know that that inflames my body and that does make me really bloated and makes me feel garbagey and I'll still make those choices. So I'm again, like I'm not perfect. Um, there's things that I could do to be more perfect and on those levels. But I'm like, for me, as long as I'm feeling good, I'm feeling strong. Um, I've definitely gotten way past the like, I have to look this certain way. I want to fit into these clothes. That was so much of me for so long that I'm like, I'm hyped now that I can just like bounce up off the floor. Like I want to be able to go up and down the stairs without my knees aching like these. I don't know if it's just because of age or where you come with those sorts of things. But I'm like, it's important to me that if like somebody invites me to some random workout class, I'm not like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, no, I can hop in there. I'll figure it out. Like, it's going to be tough. But I I feel like I'm physically able or get invited to you know, do a walk or a hike or something like that, where I'm like, I, that feels good for me, where I want to feel physically able to do the things that I want. I don't need to look shredded. And especially I think with the mindset of like, oh, I'm a health coach or I'm a personal trainer or I work in health and wellness. I have to look this certain way. Um, I think that's just like juvenile thinking at this point of like, I, and me as somebody who I would hire as a coach, I would have so much more respect for somebody who is just living their best life in their body versus like you look shredded and I'm supposed to look like you. Yeah. Yeah. And then them projecting that upon you of like everybody can like if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think you're right. And I love that you talked about hiring a coach because I am a believer that coaches need coaches too. kind of like when you said you were personal training and it was like this inside joke of trainers you know, their fitness or their health kind of goes down the drain when they're training. Like it's easy as a coach because it's like, I do this all day long for other people. The last thing I want to do is create a protocol for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be able to look at myself from the proper perspective to see, oh, this is what my labs say, or this is what, like, I'm going to have a bias to myself of like, oh, well, you probably don't need to do that. But someone else is going to look at me and be like, uh, no, like, I think that this is going to be beneficial for you. You should probably do this. And so I, I think it's good that you have a coach because it also keeps you on your toes too. Cause yeah. I'm sure you learn things from your coach that then you can apply to other people that you work with or that you can influence. And so I think it's really important. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad that you're also like, you're like, I'm doing this for me. Like, I'm not doing this to like document or like use as content. Like it's purely just for you to get better. And, um, I think that because social media is such a big part of our lives, I, I certainly get wrapped up in it of like, Oh, I should, this, this can be content. And it's like, well, it can be, but should it? Yeah. And I mean, that's hard. The, the social hard. media game is like, I know it can like just totally mentally wreck you. Yeah. And I like, I love, like I, I do, I genuinely love it for the most part, but there are like, I'll always take at least one day a week off. Sometimes I'll take a whole week off and it's hard to do now because a lot of my business is also like due to social media. So mm -hmm. it's hard, but, um, yeah, like I, I'm just, I think it's really cool that you're taking that for yourself and you're not doing it just to like showcase or show and you're just going to see where it goes. And if you're feeling better about that, then I think that's perfect. Yeah, I've, I definitely, well, especially with just accepting this new job at the Y where I'm like, it just 
there, it's a, a perfect fit for a lot of reasons. But it also for me, it feels like oh, I don't have to rely on social media as much because like when you are a small business owner and you're doing that, like that's that's your marketing and yeah. that you have and the content machine doesn't end. If anything, the game gets harder every single day of like, oh, well, you wanted people to see your content. It used to be posting stories. Oh, now it's you got to do a reel. Oh, now you got to do three reels a day of like, oh, my God, like, how am I supposed to even do anything? when all I'm doing is social media nonstop. And oh, you can't just be on Instagram. Well, you got to do TikToks, too. And don't share cross share them because then they'll gate you on both of them. I'm like, ah! I know, I know, I know. It's a mess. I know. I'm, and I, this, I think this sounds good. Like this new job that you're doing. And I actually, can you talk about what's coming up in August with your podcast? Yeah. So I'm doing, um, an all day wellness event at Mad Tree in Cincinnati, um, Saturday, August 6th, which is the last day of my thirties. So my 40th birthday is the next day. So that was kind of the tipping point of like, oh, it's a birthday party. But I also wanted to just create, um, a wellness event. It feels like a lot of wellness events are just very much fitness, which I feel like everybody doesn't feel included in, or they're very much into like, you know, almost think like supplements, like the Arnold and something like that. And like, not everybody fits there where I feel like my personal interpretation of health and wellness through my own journey is it's, it's everything. It's talking about food. It's talking about movement. It's talking about sexual health. It's talking about your mindset. It's, it's sleep. It's, it's, you know, stress management, like that's overall health. And I'm like, I personally haven't seen a lot of events where I'm like, where can you go discuss all of those things in one day, but also have fun and have some cake and some cocktails. So uh, I'm really excited. I've never done anything like this before and I've never been to anything like this before. So it's like, oh my God, I'm just kind of rolling the dice here and hope it doesn't suck. Um, but it's going to be uh, a live podcast event. So three different podcast recordings. Um, Lindsay Bonadonna, who is a health coach here in Cincinnati. She's been on this podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so Lindsay's awesome. She's, she's going to speak about mindset. And then um, Rochelle Froboda, who is a sexual educator. And she's one of my podcasts when she worked at Miami. And we're going to talk about knowing our own bodies and like just sexual health, because we don't discuss that enough, especially as women. We don't even know our own bodies half the time and talking about hormones and everything else. And so her and then Sarah, my health coach, is flying in from Phoenix and she's going to talk about macros and nutrition and fueling your body. Um, also, Christ Hospital is going to have a huge presence there. We're going to have a urinary gynecologist to answer questions. We're going to have a pelvic floor PT. We're all going to do Kegels together. Their med spa is going to be there to talk about healthy skin care. Also, we're going to have a heart doctor there. Um, people from the American Heart Association are going to be there. Trilogy Fitness Systems. We're going to do a, a 15 minute movement from our chair. So I love so many Trilogy. Of us, yeah, trilogy. Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to just like show you how you can move. Like and nobody has to wear gym clothes. Like how can we just move our bodies without like we don't have to do a full blown boot camp. Um, uh, I'm just rattling off all my people here. Uh, New Ethics Formulation is going to be there with some supplements. Um, Zeb, who works there, has been on my podcast since the beginning. He used to work at the radio station. Um, Aaron from Me Active, um, she's donating everybody that comes gets a free $88 pair of leggings. Wow. So you get leggings with your ticket. Um, Hannah the Woods is going to provide snacks. Whirly Bergranola is going to provide snacks. Uh, Laura's Healthy Delights. She's amazing. Love Laura. Yeah. Uh, she's going to be providing my birthday treats for That's everybody. Amazing. And then everybody's going to get two Sway tokens. So you can try the vodka soda from Mad Tree. Lunch is provided, um, including 80 Acres Farms with the lunch. So we're going to have a pizza party, but also some healthy offers. Uh, 
some veggie options in there. So it's going to be a day of just like, I want it to be a lot of fun. And we're going to discuss like all the elements in, but it's going to be like, just, I want it to be relaxed in a party. And then from four to five is a happy hour where that's more of like the birthday party. Like, let's crack them in our sways. Let's just hang out. So I want it to be low key, but informative. I'm getting folders where everybody that's speaking is going to have one sheets on. So it's like, you don't have to like, so like a conference, if you're there taking notes, like, no, you, you got good information that you can leave with. So I want you to learn a lot. I want you to laugh a lot, get fed good food, have some fun, have some birthday treats. And like, that's kind of my idea for the whole thing of just like, that sounds to me like an awesome day of like health and wellness, like kind of encompassing it all. Um, and just hope it's not too aggressively long being from nine to five. <laughs> no, I think that sounds amazing. I'm so excited for that. I think that'll be so cool. And so tickets, there's probably like a link, right? I can put that in the show notes. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's on Eventbrite. Um, okay. Currently right now, uh, Christ Hospital is offering discounts on it. So if you use code TCH when you buy your ticket, it'll save you $20 per ticket. Um, so uh, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be I mean, it's it's nerve wracking. I've never put anything together like this big before and like by myself. Um, so there's just so many things that you just don't even think of. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need a DJ. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably get like some balloon art. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need like centerpieces. I'm like, oh. <laughs> this sounds incredible, though. Seriously. Oh, like, thank it, you. It's, I, like, I think this is going to be so amazing for people. Oh, thanks. Yeah. If you have any interest and you're listening, like definitely jump on top of this. This is going to be a good time. Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I got really excited. I have um, a couple listeners of my podcast that are driving eight hours from Canada and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going international. See, that is huge. <laughs> like this, like you are doing something amazing by putting this together. And people that are going to drive from another country to come do this. Like, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Crazy. So, I mean, that's where it's just kind of like, I think through my own journey, it's been amazing of like how much where I've been and where I've started and everything I've gone through of like, man, by sharing this, the good, bad and the ugly and, and everything of what it's been for me of like how much that can resonate with so many people going through the same thing and to be able to create things like this, where it's like, we all belong here and we're all here with good intentions of just like wanting to live our best lives, I think is, is really super cool. And not just to be like, Hey, you're here because we need to, I need to do a hundred jump squats so you can be skinnier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's so cool. Well, I really appreciate you spending so much time with me today. This has been such an uplifting conversation for me personally, and I think it's going to be for the listeners too. Um, before we close out, I ask every guest to provide a health challenge for the week. Oh God. So what is something, it could be something that we talked about, or it could be something just whatever, but what is something that you would challenge people to do to improve their health? Oh man, I would say... Um, I would say try meditating every day. Okay. I, I personally can't just sit still and like ohm and do a pillow. Um, I use YouTube guided meditations. Um, so maybe even just doing like a five minute gratitude YouTube meditation, um, and just try to take that time for yourself. Uh, or whatever you need to listen to, to like Zen out or just listen to affirmations or just like that kind of thing of like, just kind of like, yeah, I'm a bad bitch today um, for five <laughs> minutes. I'd think that that's a super helpful way to um, either start the day or end the day. Yeah, I love that. So 
how, where can people find you? What are, well, you know, I know you're not on social media as much or you're not sharing as much or whatever it is, but you know, where can they find you on social media, about your podcast, where can they tune in all that information? Uh, my podcast is called pound this. Um, it's not porn and, <laughs> <laughs> and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm all over the place. Also pound this.com. My Instagram is you can pound this, which sounds even more like porn. Um, I'm on Instagram more than anything else. So you, you can find me there. Um, also, my website is amandavalentinebites.com, where you can find all of the above. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It yeah. was, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I so appreciate your interest in holistic health and hope you learned something you can apply to your own life. References from this episode are linked in the show notes, as well as links to find me, Evie, on social media platforms. If you'd like to learn more about services from Holistically Restored, click on the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this content, I encourage you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, be well, my friends.